Hi, I'm Miriam Axelute, and you're listening to Instead of Toys, These Organizers Want You to Give Rent Money on Shelterforce. Rent for Moms is a fundraising campaign that was looking to help 50 single black moms in select cities retain or obtain housing by Christmas 2022. Under the tagline, because everyone deserves to be home for the holidays, organizers encourage donors to move beyond toy drives and give housing security and stability, and more choice for moms about how to celebrate the holidays. The campaign raised a little over $103,000 by New Year's. In December, I spoke with Didi Delgado, who organized the Rent for Moms campaign. Didi, why don't you start by introducing yourself and your organization? Sure. Um, so my name is Didi Delgado. I am a Black non-man. I am the CEO of the Didi Delgado Experience and also the CEO and founder of Done for Didi, which is a nonprofit um, streamlined designed to make sure that mages feel supported financially by um, asking white people who say that they are committed to anti-racism work to put their money where their dollars are. We have to prioritize black mages. Mages are uh, persons of marginalized genders because we don't wanna always assume that because some, the way someone looks that they're femme identified, right? Our mission is to bridge the gaps between the intersection of race, class, gender, sexual identity, and orientation while practicing radical philanthropy through art, advocacy, and direct giving models that center Black women and Black non-men. Great. And so talk a little bit about the difference between direct giving and what we normally hear about at this time of year in terms of charity. Yeah, so... I, I feel like, um, you know, what I say might be controversial. And I, I think it's not, I think it's not controversial. I think it's only controversial because white people and non-Black people are so used to um, giving charitably that when a person that's actually affected by the circumstances in which they're given charitably speaks up, it's looked as dissent or it's looked as Nothing is ever good enough for you people. And that's unfortunate because when the COVID pandemic um, hit, everyone got involved with mutual aid. You've never seen the magnitude of giving that people have given during 2020, 2021, and even currently to now. What does it look like to ensure that the most marginalized are getting the help that they need? They're writing to us directly and without a criteria other than just believing Black women, believing Black non-men, we are giving to them essentially. And so why a campaign that's focused on rent particularly? You know, when we talk about social determinants of health, right, um, I'm someone who's chronically ill. And I do feel like a lot of times that's related to my lack of housing security. And when I say lack of housing security, I'm very much privileged in a way that um, I have to acknowledge I have somewhat of a social capital. I have the ability to access resources and funds if I need to. But what if I wasn't who I am and I still were the intersections that I, that I am? I'm fat, I'm black, I'm queer, and I'm disabled. And I'm a, I, I'm a femme identified person. And so what if I didn't have the ability to advocate for myself? What if I didn't have the platform I do? 
um, would I be able to call on people to help me become a co-signer? Would I be able to call on people to help me fundraise first class and security? Mm -hmm. Um, Black women and Black non-men are seriously on the hook all the time for supporting entire families because of the United States carceral system and because of systemic racism. Families are broken. Um, I would also say because of like um, anti-trans antagonism, I feel like and anti, uh, I'm sorry, not anti, but like homophobia, I feel like the idea of a family being one woman, one man, right? Like, and then like these children, it, it's not seen as normative to actually have a village the way that we used to. And I, I feel like that's very problematic. I'm in a two-year lease, which I'm looking for a, uh, to buy a home, but I have to get my credit together, right? Like in order to get my credit together, I have to do extraordinary things just to pay down debt, I can't imagine what happens if I have to um, stop doing the advocacy work I do because it's where my passion is. It's like basically my upbringing. I have to put that aside so I can make sure I'm, you know, doing enough ride sharing apps or working at a part-time job while I'm still mothering my six-year-old. It's like housing insecurity doesn't leave you once you even get a, um, a modicum of income because a lot of times black women and black non-men are literally the boy for many other people and their families and like, you know, inner circles. So. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and you touch on a really, uh, a point that you brought up last time we spoke, which is that many of the people who are actually doing our advocacy and activist work and even doing this work in the housing field are also the very same people who are experiencing housing insecurity. Can you sort of expand a little bit on that and what that means for us? I feel like a lot of times, you know, think about it, you know, God forbid someone loses their child to cancer. What is like probably one of the things that they're going to do, they're going to establish some sort of advocating fund for other children not to go through that, right? And so we know that firsthand experience, we like, we have this in-depth understanding that firsthand experience is often the best experience, right? You want to give to people who've actually been through the things. But when it comes to Black women, when it comes to Black non-men, it's very hard to be believed in that sense. Um, is is what the money you're getting is it is it what it's for and it's like you could literally show I could literally parade around everyone I've distributed payments to and it's a hardship I also think that um, I want to push back a second and say that a lot of the housing initiatives that I see that are community-based aren't given as much credence um as housing initiatives that are community-based if they're white-led. And that is from my personal experience living in Cambridge, Massachusetts. While I won't name certain residents associations that we've worked with, I do recall there was a time that we, um, you know, had a, had a, had a, like, oh, hey, we're both working towards housing justice. We are focused on anti-racism 
in the housing justice market, which would kind of eradicate the classism, would kind of eradicate, you know, everything else that's an ism there. And y'all are working on legislation, you know, giving percentages. And so how do we work together? And it became sort of like, um, like a, a competition and we don't have time for competition. Me personally, because I'm a marginalized person, because I also walk the same walk, because I still at 39 years old and 26,000 followers later still deal with housing insecurity. I don't know what's gonna happen once um, February, 2024, <laughs> unless I fix my credit like exponentially, I'm gonna have to pay him 25.95 a month for the next two years again. And that's like $120,000 I've paid into someone else's equity. And I, I still don't have anything for myself. I can say I have a home, but it doesn't belong to me. Like, you know, that's why I decided to launch the campaign Rent for Moms. So why don't you tell us how Rent for Moms works? I made this Facebook post that was like, hey, we should cancel Toys for Tots and instead launch Rent for Moms because the rent is why moms can't afford the fucking toys in the first place, right? And that post went kind of like out of there. I was shocked that so many people had agreed with me. Um, but I thought about it. I was a recipient. My mother was a recipient of Toys for Tots, Salvation Army, you know, things like that. And while I think that those charities are are commendable, they're, they're trying, I think that there is room for an evaluation of what it means when you take the dignity um, away from mothers, right? Away from the people who are caretaking for the children. When you take autonomy away from children, and say, hey, are you a boy? Are you a girl? Is this your age group? Okay, great. <laughs> like, and then you just get a toy. <laughs> like, that might be appropriate for you and might not. And what does that mean? Like, that the mom has to be grateful for whatever that they get? That's the wildest thing to me. When I had the opportunity, I was working at this nonprofit three years, they know who I am, you know, in the outside world. And I was like, hey, what would it look like? You guys are looking for a new initiative. I said, I don't even have to have my name on anything. It could just be this organization. That's what I mean about that credit business. That has, your ego has to go out the window. And I don't think that, that, that they were able to let go of that, right? And it's unfortunate because then I decided to do it on my own. And when I say on my own, I have a, a volunteer organization done for Didi, started off just as a hashtag, just much like Black Lives Matter. And I said, you know, since I'm being told no in all these places that should be saying yes, I'm just going to launch it myself. And in 2020, in the mid-pandemic, I asked Simone Gordon, the Black Fairy Godmother, I was like, hey, let's do Rent for Moms. And she's like, how are we going to do this? I was like, that's a good question. I was like, why don't we try to raise like $25,000 and pay the rent for like 10 to 20 moms, like depending on what their rent is, you know? And we didn't know what we were doing. We were just like, you know, we know that there's a need. So if I'm paying up to the upwards of $1,600 a month in rent and utilities, and someone cleared that $16.45 for me. Imagine what I could do for my children. Imagine how much food I could put in my house. Imagine what I could do to fix up my home. Imagine that, God forbid, if my, my tire pops in winter or I hit a pothole, I can cover that bill no problem. Yeah, that's great. And and so that first year you did raise, what did you, know, did you hit your goal? 
How did it go? Yeah, we hit the goal. We hit actually $36,000 and we were able to help over 20 moms. We also paid all the organizers because like we already know, most folks who are organizing grassroots base are they themselves also marginalized. And so it was just like a beautiful thing. We didn't do it in 2021 um, because I had some health problems and, you know, unfortunately um, I was, I won't say the victim, but I was um, the experiencer of violence. My house got shot up over 30 times, my own apartment. So I had to move, you know, um, and having to move, like how the hell during Christmas time of 2021 was I going to get first, last and security to move anywhere? And this is what I mean by housing security, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we definitely hit our goal. And then I was like, okay, this year I was like, what does it look like to organize with not just like, you know, Simone Gordon from New- Simone Gordon is out of New Jersey with her Black Fairy Godmother Foundation. But what does it look like to organize with other organizers from across the United States? So we've got nine other organizers besides myself. I'm primarily based in Boston, New England, um, and even upstate New York. But what does it look like to have other organizers? So we asked folks from Binghamton, New York, Washington, D.C., Detroit, Michigan, Sacramento, California, um, Oklahoma City, Portland, Oregon, to get together and also Richmond, Virginia, to get together and say, hey, this is, we all commit to raising $10,000 each. So that way we can distribute this money to as many moms as we could. That's great. And so how do you select the moms and what is your process? What we've done to make it as easy as possible, because a, a black woman who is a social worker did reach out to us and was like, "What are the implications for these women? Do they have to report on this money?" And I just felt terrible. This wasn't. These are the questions that didn't come along with what we did in 2020. I don't want anyone having to feel like they have to provide us trauma porn so we can keep this pilot program going, right? Like I don't. I think that that's gross. Um, I think that that's unnecessary. We've decided as organizers that we are going to be in tandem with our community. So it'll be the organization or organizer that's working for that city, and they will be having a community conversation and selecting the participants, sort of like participatory budgeting. Rent, utilities, food, some of these things are the things that we have the least flexibility about, the least help with. And they matter the most. Um, and, you know, yet, and yet we don't give. And yet until yours, I've never seen a charitable giving campaign that focused around helping people with rent. Um, and I would love to work with other organizers who do this work. So there's like this, this thing that goes around from time to time. Oh, if Black people would stop spending $200 a month on sneakers, they could have the down payment for a house, right? That shit irks my soul Uh because you're not taking into account um, credit scores. You're not taking into account debt to income ratio. And let's say you were just taking into account the monetary resource of a down payment. But if I spend $200 a month on Nike shoes, that's $2,400 a year. That's not even 3% of a down payment for a family of four. Like, let's not play with each other. And it's like, people love to um, be reductive and it's not helpful at all. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so if there were uh, an organization that, that wasn't competitive, you know, what could you envision in terms of a good partnership? Because rent is an ongoing expense. And so, um, you know, there, there are things out there that can policies and, and other campaigns to that can protect tenants from eviction or make it easier to raise your credit scores or other things like right. that. I feel like, I feel like this, I feel like even if it was shelter force, I would want just th this idea of community agreements. Hey, this is how we agree that we treat folks we're in service to. And not just that, this is how we agree we treat each other. And it, it just hasn't been enough conversation. It hasn't been enough, like, let's visit this. It hasn't been enough, like, let's use your platform. Let's use my platform. Let's work together. It's just been like a lot of like everyone's in silos, which is what I, I, I don't know if you've ever followed me, but it's like literally, I hate silos. I do because mm -hmm. I feel like so much more can get done with many hands. My mother used to always use that phrase, many hands make light work. And so what does it look like when we actually work together for the greater good? Like we don't have to, you can still be your separate entity and I can still be my separate entity. But I feel like a lot of times I reach out to folks and I'm like, hey, and I don't know if it's because they think, oh, you're too radical, or I didn't like when you said the X, Y, and Z, or it's going to be problematic or problems. Okay, problems are coming. It's white people upset about whatever they're going to be upset about, especially if they're conservative. Okay, and like, is the work being done? As you're hearing these stories, are there other things that you're hearing them face besides the need for it? Like, a whole bunch of them have been a lot of folks screwed by their landlord in this particular way or that particular way. Yeah, that and it, I did get I did get an inbox from an individual who is not a black woman, but might be considered a black marginalized gender. I'm still up in the air about it, but they were like that. They signed a an agreement, not a lease, but an agreement with um, a predatory. Um, landlord and that the landlord was telling them since it's California they've got two days to get out they've got this and I'm like it's really unfortunate because I wish I could just go ahead and give this money and take a portion of this money we've raised so far and just give it to you like you know and it's like these stories come up often I think about you know like situations I've been in where landlords have been like we'll use violence to even get you out you know, um, and it's just your word against mine. And, and it's just, it's really unfortunate. And I, I, I read these applications and my heart breaks. Do we need rent relief? And if, and I'll say this too, because I feel like I, I, I meant to say it earlier, we need rent relief in, in the form of mutual aid, the same way we needed mutual aid in the form of, in the face of COVID-19. And the reason why I say that is because everyone thinks that rent relief is a governmental bailout that should happen. Um, but if the government didn't bail us out during the pandemic and we we felt like, damn, we need to help each other, why are we not helping each other during this housing crisis? We have over 400 applications for rental assistance so far. That's over $500,000 in rent that's due. That's wild to me. And the average rent of all these applications is $1,300.
and many of the people that are, are applying at, are at imminent risk of eviction. We're not trained as social workers. We are not licensed as such. And so it's like, all we can do is help the need. If social workers want to work with us, I'm all for it. If housing um, community organizations want to work with us, I'm all for it. Like, let's figure out a way to do this, like in ways that are tangible, ways that are manageable. Um, a lot of the organizers on board have, you know, thanked us. They were like, we want to like address housing insecurity in our cities and weren't sure how to do it. And this makes me feel good knowing that at least almost every organizer we've been attached to has raised at least $2,000 for their cities. Thank you for making the time. Thank you, Miriam. If you want more great in-depth content that explores issues in housing and community development, visit our website at shelterforce.org.